1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
0: I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Sort of a day after podcast. Usually do those on the football side, but given uh, prior commitments... Dewey Burke joins me here late Saturday night on the East Coast recording. Talk a little Carolina and UCLA action. Dewey, Carolina finally gets a win. They desperately need in December 74-64 over UCLA. A game that was uh, not pretty. But sometimes you have to win ugly. Carolina certainly did that against the Bruins.
1: It was ugly on both ends. But I think obviously the story, and we'll get into it, was the play of the freshman backcourt and how they gave us such a great lift in the second half. And I won't say carried us, but were instrumental in us finding a way to go into Christmas with a win. All I was thinking about all morning and leading up to the game was how badly I would feel for the guys and for Coach Williams if they. Obviously, if they lost another one, but it's no fun to lose the game before Christmas happened to me my junior year. And we were out in L.A. playing against Southern Cal and lost that game. And then I took a red eye back to Philly and didn't sleep because of how bad it felt to lose right before Christmas. So I'm happy for the team and the guys and everybody on the around the program to get that win that they so badly needed. But uh, not a pretty game by any means. UCLA is not that good, and they're rebuilding their program. But I was proud of our guys. We fought, and really happy and proud for those two freshmen in the second half.
0: Indeed. We'll talk about them. In fact, we'll talk about them right now. But I want to let our listeners know, we're going to talk about the UCLA game, go in-depth at that, get Dewey's thoughts on that, and then we'll take some of those questions off Twitter I got from you guys early. It's interesting, Dewey, during the course of a game, I think I tweeted – about our podcast maybe at halftime and the questions sort of evolve as the game progresses it is it's funny to me how um fans really live and die by every moment and i know it's um hard not to do that if you're so invested in watching your team um but as a former player watching uh, just in general especially in this last stretch here. They started off the season fairly well, but struggled shooting. And then Michigan, and then they beat Oregon, which to this day remains their best performance. Uh, And then they lose four straight after that. As a former player, as part of that program, um, describe the feelings watching this, this season particularly
1: it's really tough. I mean there's no there's no sugar coating to put on it. It's really tough. A lot of times we've not looked like Carolina at all in terms of the way we've been playing, the the, the way we've been executing has not been the way we are coached and it's been hard, but at the same time it's it, coach keeps saying it's not an excuse that we have guys that are out, but it is a fact. It is part of the conversation. And when you lose a potential top 3 five, 4 5 pick from an already somewhat lower talented team relative to what we've had in the past which is such a high bar. I mean it's just so hard to to compete especially with the schedule we've had without Cole and without mm-hmm. the normal level of talent we typically have. I mean that's what I keep going back to is It highlights, and he's an incredible coach, but it highlights how good of a job he's done recruiting in the past and the quality of the players that we've consistently had year after year after year. That's not a knock on these guys, but anybody who is reasonable inside the program or out can say the roster we have now is not the same as well, even just last year, let alone years past. So it's it's tough because it's uh, across the board. It's a little bit less talent than we're used to having, and then you lose your best player, your alpha, your point guard, all those things, and then you have arguably. I don't know what I don't know what the rankings are, Tommy. You might, but maybe the toughest schedule in the country. So you put it all together, and guys have lost confidence, and it's been a struggle.
0: Yeah, I think uh, overall the schedule I think may be lower down the list than one would think, given some of the games they played early. But I think. I saw a graphic, and we've seen them up close, and some they've played, what, four top ten teams in the past month. Um, And it's tough. Those games would be tough. Like I said on the podcast with Sherelle after Gonzaga, I'm not sure Carolina's team last year wins that game at Gonzaga. Um, And it could have been a very similar score. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, been a brutal schedule. You mentioned the lack of Cole Anthony the last couple, and really since Oregon, he's – been or was a non-factor against Ohio State against uh, Virginia and you know when I see him out you think oh no and then you toss in the fact that Jeremiah Francis has been away from the game I, they said a thousand days today on TV mm-hmm. I don't I don't that's a ridiculous amount of time for a competitive basketball player but we Francis and Harris I mean I, I think Carolina's 7-5, and five, and they're still, it's still going to be a tough road, especially in the ACC. But these guys, just in a couple games, and especially against UCLA, have given the fan base, have to have given Roy Williams hope. Hope, exactly. Hope. And yeah. um, just talk about their play. How tough is it just to – basically for Francis, especially, you're walking on the court and just playing basketball for North Carolina, and they haven't played since – basically your sophomore season in high school
1: it's astounding i mean it's totally uncharted waters right there's no you you can't turn to some other player and say oh well remember when he did this for us or for some other team that we that we're aware of i mean there's no there's no story i'm aware of where a kid literally missed three years and then gets the the all clear to go play and then goes and plays meaningful minutes on the road against the top five team and then yeah and then he didn't start today but he basically played starter minutes for us it's astounding here's what I'll tell you and I think fans will love to hear this but uh i've I've made reference to the group text that my friends and my teammates are on from when I played and Tyler is in China so he's across the world and when he Post game, when he texted to the group, he said, I am so happy for the kid, Francis. All he does is bust his ass. And let me tell you something. Tyler is compliments from him are few and far between. He just he just doesn't do it. I mean, he's soft spoken anyway. And, you know, he just he's not one that goes out on a limb and gives credit to guys on our team even in even in years past i mean that's just not his way and so whatever that kid has been doing since he got on campus had a meaningful impact on 50 in the rafters so take that however you want i don't have i didn't there's no follow up question or answer that you get from him but he he thinks highly of jeremiah and whatever he has done since june uh, so you tip your cap. I read coach's comments as well. And coach kind of echoed the same thing that both of them, Jeremiah and and Aunt Harris have just been in there grinding, working in the weight room, doing whatever Jonas says. And, man, it's pretty cool to see. And and like you said, gives us hope and and just flat out played better than the guys that have been playing ahead of them. I mean, you saw coach set play tech and keeling down for the whole half. It was the right call. Those guys were just straight playing better.
0: It, it was an interesting thing. And a lot of people have banged on Playtech, sometimes uh, maybe justified. I don't like picking on a kid individually because what you said earlier in the podcast, it's not a player's fault that they're not as talented as folks who are used to seeing. Um, it's, not, it's not their fault. But Playtech, you're right, sat all second half and Anthony Harris – um, got all of those minutes. Your thoughts on his game? I mean, I've liked him since he signed, since he committed to North Carolina. I haven't really seen him do anything, obviously, because he was hurt. But in these couple games, and especially today, I mean, that, that kid brings um, sort of a, I you know, I don't want to say a dog mentality, because that's like the, the N word to say these days, like the cool word to say. Um, so, but he brings something extra mm-hmm. to this team, and this team needs that desperately.
1: Well, I mean, so I've said it. Coach Williams has said it, but we've shot the ball so poorly so far this season, especially guys that were said to be shooters. And coach says it. He said it forever. He likes guys that are tough enough to make them. Anybody can take them. He likes guys that are tough enough to make them. And what struck me more than anything is he's he was fearless. Fearless, right? He said he was open on the wing. I'm pulling. I'm shooting it. And for a team that struggles to score, being a willing shooter, and we go back years talking about this, Tommy. I mean, we talked about it. The first person I remember talking about it as it related to was Marcus Page. I remember saying to you, I wish he'd shoot it twelve, I wish he'd shoot 12 threes. Like be even more willing to rip it because you're such a good shooter. And on a team that really struggles to score, if you can shoot it and you're open, you got to pull it, and you got to be tough enough to make it. And he's not going to do it every night. He's going to look like a freshman in other games, but he was tough enough to make them, and he was a willing shooter. And we haven't had that at a lot of different points in this season. So I give him credit. He also dug in on defense. I know that's kind of what he was known for uh, as far as what the staff was excited about, that he was a tough kid, that he would guard you, he'd get in your face a little bit but a pretty cool coming out party. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for him to go home for Christmas for a few days after playing like that on national TV? Really cool moment for him.
0: Absolutely. That's uh, Folks also forget that watching it is that. And it's one thing that struck me, I guess, as I've gotten older, and it's kind of sappy, but I realize these guys are just, they're young kids, to be honest. Now, some of them are getting to be grown men when they're 22, 23 years old, but 18-year-old guys, I mean, those guys are just – they're young. And to see the pleasure and the joy that they had after winning, you're right, and then being able to go home for Christmas break with some sort of positive mojo going on, I, I think it's good for the team. I'm going to talk about Johnny T-Shirt right this second. It might be too late to order stuff from Johnny T-Shirt online if you haven't. But if you can get by Franklin Street, still time to get your Christmas gifts – Johnnytshirt.com and Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street. Of course I say it every time cuz I mean it every time. They've got everything a Carolina fan could possibly want. Clothes, gear, car tailgate, anything you need Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street and Johnnytshirt.com. And if you're inside Carolina premium subscriber, you get that 10% off your order and it's of course worth your time to make that trip to Franklin Street. A, it's Franklin Street, B, it's Johnny T-shirt, Chapel Hill Legends. Do it now, do it today, do it all the time online. Dewey, let's dig in a little bit more when we're looking at uh, the Carolina UCLA win or win for Carolina over UCLA. I I tell you, Armando Baycott, (laughs) I want to talk about Garrison Brooks and we'll get there, but Armando had a, a good game, solid game today what a struggle the last two games. And then he comes out, goes five for seven. He needs to shoot free throws better. He leaves a lot of points on the board, but 15 and 12 after two just horrific ball games for him. I think it sort of speaks to A, the talent that kid has and B, um, his willingness to listen to his coach and the willingness to get out there and keep pushing.
1: That's right. And and I think It's so rare for a post player to shoot such a low percentage in one game, let alone two. If I'm being honest, I wasn't overly concerned about Armando. I just think he was just having a couple fluky games where the ball just wouldn't go in the basket. Uh, I do think he needs to continue to work on going stronger to the rim, not fading away, not, not taking contested difficult ones where he's not at the rim with a chance to get fouled. But my reaction to how he played tonight was obviously it was much better. He does need to make his free throws, but seven field goal attempts is not enough. I mean, he's our most gifted offensive player at this point with Cole being out. And seven field goal attempts is not enough. I did think there were a number of times we missed him on the block or in the post or in the high-low potential – or excuse me, a high-low potential pass was there and we didn't make it. I don't, I'm not worried about Mondo. I think there was a point early in the season where it kind of clicked for him in terms of the energy he had to bring. He still has work to do skill-wise, intelligence-wise, knowing where he's supposed to be. But I think he has figured out how hard he has to play. And I think the ball's going to go in the basket more often than not. So I, I don't have big concerns about him other than, as you said, shoot the free throws better. And for me more free uh, field goal attempts. Seven is not enough.
0: Let's talk about that. And Baycott with seven attempts, Garrison with 11 today, both made five field goals. You know, somebody posted this on Twitter, and I've thought it, and I said it maybe on this podcast. I don't know if I said it with you, but if I did, we'll talk about it again. Why is it so difficult or seems so difficult for Carolina to make the good entry passes to these guys. Cause you're right. They missed Baycott several times. They missed Garrison Brooks several times. And then some of the passes that were made were just to the wrong hand. I, th- I think mm-hmm. uh, Rafferty pointed that out on one or just late or at somebody's feet. I mean, why is that such a difficult uh, thing to accomplish for a North Carolina team that has always played inside out?
1: Well, if you were UCLA and you're doing your scouting report, was there anybody on the perimeter for North Carolina that you were worried about ripping you for five to seven threes? Yeah, no. In fact, I
0: told my oldest son, if I were UCLA, we'd play a two-one-two zone, and everybody would have a foot in the paint.
1: There you go. So if you're guarding our perimeter players up until, obviously, Harris made a couple. B-Rob shot the ball well in the first half, but if you're guarding our guys, you're an extra step, step and a half, Further off than you typically might be. And that makes that entry pass into the post exponentially more difficult. So you try to throw it a little wider than you thought, or it takes an extra second and the rhythm of when your post guy has gotten his weight in the right place and positioning and expects the ball to arrive and it comes a half to a full second later, his weight is shifted, whatever the case. To me, that is all driven by the fact that you're not as you're not a threat on the perimeter if you shoot the ball poorly for 12 games like we did. Uh, that's just that's what it is to me. You know, you, do you think Cam Johnson had a hard time making post entry passes last year, yeah, or Kobe? Not. No, not at all because teams knew if I give these guys an inch, they're gonna rip it, and we just don't have that right now. Haven't proven it. When a team puts together a scouting report, they watch four or five games. What did they see? They saw us shoot the ball terribly. And so consequently, when they were going to play man-to-man, they said, hey, look, guy on the wing picks up his dribble. Sag off him. Keep the ball out of the paint because the way they're going to beat us, at least you would think, coming into the game, is if Baycott and Brooks get it going from the inside. So make them beat us from the outside. And it's not like we shot it great still today. Six for 18. It's better. So that's the answer to the question in my view. All right. So on top of that how do how does it
0: aside from shooting better um which has to happen how do how do you um get those passes in there better or how does that portion of Carolina's offense get better i think francis you know he he was out of control a few times but he drove a lot and, and got in there but he tried
1: he attacked at least he was yeah. out of control to trying to do something positive
0: yeah and, and You know, I thought he was effective even if he did not shoot well. But how do you – if you're going to play inside out and you're not shooting well, what do you have to do to get the ball to your bigs?
1: Well, it puts a lot more pressure on the fundamentals of your offense. What I mean by that is if you're not going to easily get the ball into the post just in the regular flow, because, again, I don't mean to keep going back to last year, but Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, even though he didn't shoot it as well as he was capable last year, Kobe White and Luke May – three of those guys, you know, elite shooters, elite shooters. So when the ball was trying to be entered into the post, the the defense's number one concern was where's Cam, where's Kobe, these guys, these shooters that can get us for six, seven, eight threes in in a night. And so because we don't have that, and then we've shot the ball so poorly, and then we have our most lethal threat from a penetration perspective, not playing. It just puts a lot more pressure and emphasis on being better screeners, moving the ball more crisply. Your spacing has to be better. There are a number of times today where our spacing was awful. But then I'm looking out there, I'm like, well, of course it is. Garrison's never played meaningful minutes with Jeremiah, except for the last 10 days. So guys aren't used to being you know on the floor. I look out there at one point, and our lineup is three freshmen, Garrison, who's played obviously meaningful and big minutes and B Rob who played spot minutes for three years. Like, what do we expect? So it'll take some time, but to answer your specific question to get better shots and hopefully make the ball from, uh, make the shots from perimeter and get our bigs looks on the interior. You gotta be better screeners. You gotta be better cutters. The ball's got to move more crisply. If you don't have a shot, move the ball. Because coach always loves to say, a lot of times it's an emphasis on our practice plans, give the defense a chance to screw it up. Well, the way you do that is you set the first great screen. Then that guy gets a little behind and his teammate has to help him. Then you make the next right pass, the next great cut. And each little little instance that I'm talking about puts the defense that much further behind that eventually they're going to screw it up and you get a post entry for a one-on-one look for Mondo. But if you don't screen effectively, if you don't cut with intelligence, if the ball doesn't move, when you don't have that elite level threat like a Kobe White that is attracting eight to 10 eyes, or we talked about Cole attracting all 10 eyes, when you don't have that, you damn well better be a fundamentally sound motion offense team. So that is where we need to get better until if and when we get Cole back.
0: Shout out to Tim Chandler on Twitter. That answers your question, Tim, about what Carolina needs to do to be more effective on offense. Uh, Let me take a short break. Dewey, come back. We'll talk more Twitter questions and wrap this podcast up. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Dewey Burt. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? All right, Dewey, we're back. Carolina 74-64 wins. A winner over UCLA gets 75 going into the Christmas break. Um, You know, a lot of people talk about the officiating, and I'm not going to talk about the officiating specifically, but I do want to get your thoughts on something I was thinking about. and Maybe I've mentioned it before, but, you know, a lot of these games, it appears that they let them play more in the first half and then they tighten it up in the second half. I've always thought, especially when Carolina had a guy like Tyler Hansborough and and some of those bigs, you want to let them play, fine. Let them play. Carolina's going to bury people. Um, But I do not think this is a team that Roy Williams puts out there that can survive sort of that let it play, let them play type. Or is it, do you think, Dewey? Because I think Garrison does all right with that. Baycott is hit or miss but uh your thoughts on you know how 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 does this team thrive under what officiating conditions do you think this team thrives as opposed to maybe even last year's if that's even a question
1: well certainly on paper we we don't we don't scare anyone without Cole so you, you don't look at our roster as it's currently made up in terms of the eligible players and say Damn, like that dude is going to be something to deal with. And that even, even thinking about last year, like even Nasir, like he came off the bench, you were like, well, that's an NBA body. Whoa. Like we don't have that, you know, Baycott maybe, but I think he's still, he's still getting in condition and remaking himself to be that maybe. um Cole was the only one who you said, all right, there's a swagger about that dude. There's a way he moves, the way he jumps, the way he can score that, you know, then you could say, "I'll, you know, I'll go to a physical fight of a game with Cole. Now, let's see, though, what Harris and, and Francis bring as they get consistent minutes. Because you would watch the last couple games and say, those kids will come for a fight. So I think we still don't know, Tommy. I mean, our roster as coach said, we thought that Sterling and Cole were going to be two of our top six coming into this season. And they're both not playing and they weren't even in Vegas. That uh, was what he said. So, you know, I don't know. It's uh that's such an interesting question. How would, how would I, how would I wish we were refereed? Um, I, you know, we're, we're not a prototypical Carolina team where we're just going to pound you and pound you and pound you on the glass and, a missed jump shot is almost like an assist in, in some years past the way we've played, but we just don't, it's back to the start of the pocket. We don't have the, we don't have the guys. I mean, pick a year. We had a team at one point they walked out to the jump ball with a front line of Harrison Barnes, Tyler Zeller, and John Henson. Like what the other teams, they, they were like, damn, like, that looks like three lottery picks. That that looks like, and Harrison was 6'8", and those guys were 6'10", 6'11". And, and you know, then you said, hey, however the refs call it, doesn't matter. We're going to pound these dudes. We're so big. We're so strong. And you just, it's just different. That's all. So, I, you know, I don't know if I even answered the question. I'm just going with, going through my head. It's like you walk out for the tip, and it's just different right now. And we'll see how we do over the next couple of months, and hopefully Cole comes back, and Francis and Harris continue to grow, and and they're going to have freshman moments, but they showed some more fight than maybe some of the other guys have so far. But I don't know, Tommy. It's it's weird to watch because at, at some point you also just you are you are who you were you were recruited as. You know, four and three star guys are a lot of who are having our minutes right now, and with the exception of like Luke May, who just outplayed his ranking by leaps and bounds. We don't have seven McDonald's All-Americans like we have, at, have had at certain times. So it's just a different different field, different year, different coaching challenge, all those things.
0: It's interesting to watch. I mean, against Wofford, especially when Francis and Harris were just first getting out there, you had one guy. That maybe, and again, it's not a knock on the players themselves, but you had one guy that was maybe a traditional Carolina talent. And that's, it was just fascinating. I mean, it, one thing that for me watching is you, you see mid-majors, if you want to call them that anymore. You see Wofford, a team like Wofford. And those guys are not overly talented, but they they were just playing so much more together. With perhaps even less talent than Carolina had, and Carolina just looked so discombobulated, so out of it that so that leads me to my question that somebody asked: What's getting better and what's getting worse? I think for me watching, even though it looked ugly at times, I mean it was brutally ugly. And UCLA is terrible. I mean, and they looked apart. They they look like they got some dudes that can play and they they were just bad, but so for me, Carolina was able to string together ten fifteen twenty twenty five minutes of consistent play. um for you, what have you seen over the last twelve games? You know, where was it for you at the beginning, and now, where is it as far as the scale of how a season normally goes for Carolina? These are confusing questions, but hey, it's late here on the East Coast, and you can handle it. <laughs>
1: All good, all good. You know, it just it started quite obviously as a season where we were all very much looking forward to watching Cole, and we talked preseason podcasts, early season podcasts. We would go as he went, and I don't think we thought that the rest of the team would struggle as much as they have, even when we still had him. And then the unthinkable happened: is that he got hurt. And you didn't ask me the question I thought you'd ask me about. Is he definitely coming back? So if you want me to answer that later, I will. Um, So he gets hurt. You lose your only, you know, surefire NBA talent. And the rest of the guys have struggled so much. But think about what practice has been like. So we, we watched him when Cole was playing. Depend on Cole and he had to get. 30 plus to get us our first ACC win and so much pressure on him. Well, remember, we also practiced that way, not from a sense of here, Cole, go do everything, but our practices are so competitive and you want to win the drills you're in. Otherwise you run. So if you were on Cole's team, what would you do in practice? You would try to get him to get the best shot you could get so you could win the drill. So you don't have to run. So we play that way in practice, and then in the games, and you saw it, and all of a sudden, he's gone, and he's not coming back soon. So you you take that. Guys have struggled much more than I thought they would. I thought Pierce would shoot the ball better. I thought B-Rob would shoot the ball better. I thought Playtech would shoot the ball better, and they haven't. And then now, all of a sudden, we've got two kids that have only been practicing for 10 days that it looks like are going to play starter or very meaningful minutes. It's just so discombobulated and thrown off. I don't know how to say. We're certainly, we don't have the record I thought we would have. I did think we would struggle at times. But you always make the assumption that you're going to have Cole the whole time. And we haven't. And that, I mean, that was the one. I mean, we can't lose anybody, but he was the one. And and he's out. And I just, it's going to continue to be a struggle. I hope the young kids keep playing like they played today. But UCLA stinks. It's going to be a struggle. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Coach is going to have a hard time. He's got to keep trying to will these guys to to make plays and make shots and take better care of the ball and find ways to win. But it's going to be tough. Our conference is – college basketball is down. Our conference is down. But we're down. So it's it's going to be a challenge.
0: Last question for you. And uh, you you mentioned Cole Anthony, and I know – somebody asked me if if it were my child would i allow him to come back and i said uh I, well i think i said but I, I believe that if he were fully healthy without any uh lingerings he's playing period if he's my child now that's a different question for a lot of people what would you do if it was yours do
1: that's It's a really hard one. You know, we don't have to look that far back in terms of this, the game of basketball to see an elite player who really wanted to play and be there for his team and came back too early or not. Whatever it was, it would appear that Kevin Durant blew his Achilles because he came back from a calf injury too soon. So my point is, and I'm not comparing Cole and Kevin Durant, although you probably could in relevant uh, relevant meaningfulness to their respective teams. I just, it would be hard for me if I'm his father, who knows a lot, obviously. Uh, it'd be hard for me to do two things as his dad. One, it'd be hard for me to tell him if he was healthy and ready to go to say, you shouldn't play. It's not the smart move for your future. But on the flip side, it would be hard for me to say that it wouldn't be a risk financially or otherwise, and money's not a big thing for them. So that probably helps the conversation. But we just saw this different injury, different part of the body. I know, but we just saw this. And it's hard not to look at that and say, man, the whole concept of rushing back or anything like that or trying to put a timetable on it when the health of these elite athletes is so precious man that's hard it's hard to be in that room it it's hard to no matter what he could get hurt again and then it then it ultimately was the wrong decision um if we're 500 or less and it's evident that we probably can't make the tournament I might have a hard time having my son go play. I might, because there's so much information out there that would say the best move would be keep rehabbing. You think you're ready? Wait three more weeks. You think you're ready then? Wait another month and just get ready for NBA workouts and go do your thing. It would be a shame that if we didn't get to see him put the jersey on again, but, ah, oh, man. Tough one. I just I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is, but I'll say that I'll be more surprised than not if he plays again. That's not from any information or intel. Don't read into it. It's nothing like that. Just my gut says I'm not sure it's the right thing.
0: It's an interesting discussion. And again, that's that's with no information, no inside information. That's just a gut. Parents talking about players and, and uh, you know, as if they were your kids. So, that folks don't re- need to read anything more into it than it is. I, I think, uh, I think he plays if he's fully healthy. If he's fully healthy, um, we'll see. But Carolina needs to be relevant as well. You're right about the, I think Carolina's record matters as well. Anyway, Dewey, I know it's been, uh, long day for you it's been a long day here it's been a long season following carolina i said that was the last question but is this a challenge to roy williams or is this just a drain what do you think
1: no it's a challenge you know he he hates to lose more than he likes to win and so this is this is very hard for him um he he's such an emotional guy in a great way that I think I've said on this podcast before, there was not a single loss that I was a part of when after the game that he did not cry because he felt like he let us down. Even we played our worst. And so I know how emotional he gets when we don't win. And I know how hard he takes it. And you remember there's that story about coach Smith taking him to dinner before he took the Kansas job or whatever, and, and saying something to the effect of, I worry about you, Roy, because you, you take the losses so hard that I don't know if you, you can do this all that long unless you figure out a way to deal with it better. And I don't know that he ever did. I don't, I actually, I do know he he never, he never got better at dealing with losing so the the competitor in him is is what makes you love him but this is this is far from the dream tommy this is hard for him and he's you know he's trying everything he can to reach him and people think that he's doing a bad job and all those kinds of things and you know look everybody has to look inside when you struggle the players the coaches everybody on staff but this is not not easy for him
0: that's Dewey Burke. I'm Tommy Ashley. You've been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. We'll be back. Carolina off for the holiday until Yale comes to town on December 30th. I'll actually be in the Smith Center for that one, so we'll have to figure out a post-game podcast deal on that one. Dewey, I hope you and yours uh, have a good holiday, a good Christmas. I know you're you've added to the family since last time, so uh you know, it only gets better from here. I know it's rough having little ones, but as they get older, it really gets to be better. I promise, man. I appreciate you taking the time to join me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Thank you for listening. And uh, maybe for Christmas, our new baby will grant us, give us, gift us some sleep. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ, Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Man, it is a do average averaging 29 and
0: 11. It. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.